This is First Baptist Church for Sunday, November 12th, 2023. In a recent Facebook post, I combined two scriptures from Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. And also from Matthew eleven twenty nine, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. The point was that our walk with God can be natural, or it can be an uphill battle. It kind of depends on our outlook and our mindset. And it also points out something that I hope will come clear today is the Old Testament is foundational and the New Testament builds upon it. They are not separated. The same spirit, the same God, the same purpose extends throughout. And so we can look at the Old Testament, we can learn, and we can see confirmation and an expansion if you will, in the New Testament. In light of this thought, I would like to take time on a regular basis to look back and see where God has led me. After being led to make First Baptist my church home, I have been blessed to become part of the team here. First as a participant in study groups, then to join the Sunday worship, eventually joining the worship team, and since I've become part of this body, to be able to stand before you and preach, and I give thanks. I will never fail to give thanks for the opportunity to stand before you and bring the word. So when Pastor Brad had to travel to the Mayo Clinic for what has turned out to be his first heart surgery, I was able to step in and serve for a time as preacher and lead services. Now as our pastors had to undergo a second heart surgery, I have again been called upon to help cover the pulpit and service while he recovers. More recently, I've looked back in what has turned out to be a series of messages. I get to look back and see what God has led me to preach about as these things unfold. And a lot of times I discovered there was a theme that I didn't know at the time. It's something that comes out. So in the titles, Becoming Filled with Christ and Maturing in Christ, this topic started with the moment of conversion. When we are born again, receiving Christ, then the process of sanctification as we become filled with Christ and the process of maturing in Christ when we discover the meaning of repentance. That being the pruning away of the unnecessary and harmful and being replaced with the beneficial and fruitful. Salvation, sanctification, and repentance. I consider these like three pillars. You know, a stool has three legs. And there's something significant. Most chairs have four, right? Chairs have four legs, which when you consider two things, first of all, three is the minimum number to have a solid foundation. And also, the most solid, because as soon as you add a fourth, they can be uneven. If a stool has an uneven leg, it still stands solid. If you have a four, 
four-legged uh, chair with uneven legs, it's rickety. So I can look at these three and I can see how they support each other and how they are important to our life. So I intend to begin to cover a more involved topic, uh, the meanings of understanding, knowledge, and wisdom. Undoubtedly, it's a difficult topic, but the goal here is to begin to understand, to gain knowledge, and thereby increase wisdom. Let's pray. Father God, I pray your presence with us. I pray your hand and voice guiding and directing. Lord, you, you bring these things to my mind and I, and I try to put them down and, and hear what you are saying and, and deliver that message to the people. And so I, without your spirit, it's impossible. But with your spirit, all things are possible. So I pray, Lord, be with us. Guide this message. Let it have the purpose you intend and let the people receive it in that purpose and intention. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we have some long scripture. This is a little different than I usually do, but I want to read Ecclesiastes 1. The words of the teacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are worrisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new. It was here already long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations, and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. Wisdom is meaningless. I, the teacher, was king over Jerusalem. I plied my mind to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under the heavens. What a heavy burden God has laid on mankind. I've seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. What is crooked cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be counted. I said to myself, look, I have increased in wisdom more than anyone who has ruled over Jerusalem before me. I've experienced much of wisdom and knowledge. Then I applied myself to the understanding of wisdom, of also of madness and follow. But I learned that this too is a chasing after the wind. For with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. It sounds like, why bother? It sounds like, okay, if you're the wisest guy and you're thinking everything's meaningless, what's that mean for the rest of us? <laughs> but there's three points to scripture that I will get to a little later on. But I want to talk about just the basic approach, okay? Okay. 
I prioritize logic. Things that don't make sense bother me. This is different than things that are meaningless. Ecclesiastes is deep and it requires deep thought and study to extract meaning from what it can teach. But it can be a gradual process, just like sanctification, a battleground we fight one battle at a time. As we clear away confusion and build a foundation of what has been learned, we gain ground and can move forward to deeper understanding and knowledge. I jump ahead now to Hebrews 5, 1, 6 to 3. Uh, 5, 1 to 6, 1. Sorry, I said that wrong. Every high priest is selected from among the people and is appointed to represent the people in matters related to God. After gifts and sacrifices for sins, he is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray since he himself is subject to weakness. This is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins as well for the sins of the people. And no one takes this honor on himself but receives it when called by God just as Aaron was. In the same way, Christ did not take on himself the glory of becoming a high priest, but God said to him, You are my son. Today I have become your father. And he says in another place, You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered, and once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him, and was designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, still being an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. And I stop there. So we began with Ecclesiastes talking about wisdom and knowledge. And I'm looking now at the New Testament talking about the pursuit of maturity requiring knowledge and wisdom. So how do we accomplish this and, and is it worth it after hearing that it's meaningless? What, what do we see beyond that? Understanding Jesus is the fruit of study. It is what helps us to fulfill what is stated in this prayer. This is my desire. This is my plea to become more of Jesus and less of me. It is important to realize that this is not a diminishing of yourself. Just as we spoke of earlier in delighting ourselves in the Lord leading us to receiving the desires of our heart. To become more of Jesus and less of us means to prune down, 
to that meaning and purpose that he has created us for, which is what we will delight in. To prune away the unnecessary and harmful, to be replaced with the beneficial and fruitful, deepening knowledge of Christ, leading to understanding and wisdom. So I've said that age and experience only produce wisdom if you are paying attention. Ecclesiastes speaks a lot about wisdom, its meaning and advantages. The author calls himself the teacher. And something I believe is, it is better to teach why than merely how. You may have heard the saying, give a man a fish and he eats for a day. Teach a man to fish and it gets really hard to keep him home on the weekend. No, actually, it's uh, a little different than that. But you may ask at this time, what is the reason for doing all of this? Why not accept what the teacher said, that all is meaningless? The answer is gained by further study. So I said there were three basics that we have to consider. And I think this is important as we mature, as we read the Bible. It's not just to hear stories. The stories teach us things. As we see how the foundation of the Old Testament builds into the expansion and explanation of the New Testament, people looked forward to the promise, but now the promise is fulfilled. They knew there was a Savior coming, but then Jesus was born, lived, gave his life, came back to life, which no one else could do, no one else has ever done, no one else has raised themselves from the dead. Jesus only. Jesus had the power to raise the dead. We saw that when he was on earth. He raised the dead as a miracle to describe and, and to prove who he is and what he can do. But no one, no religious figure, nobody without some sleight of hand that wasn't real could raise themselves from the dead. So, context, hermeneutics, and discernment. These are another set of stool legs, okay? Without them together, you're not going to have understanding leading to knowledge and wisdom. Context. You can't just cherry pick a phrase out of the Bible and think you know what it means. This is what false teachers do. This is what the adversary does. You know, the adversary always mixes a little bit of bad stuff in with the truth. And without knowledge of the truth, we're not going to be able to know when we're being lied to. This is where knowledge comes in, and it's important. So we look at context. We don't just read one little phrase. It's like we said earlier. You need to look at the whole phrase or the whole passage, or maybe compare it. Now you're comparing it to the rest of the Bible. And that's what we call hermeneutics. Hermeneutics is Bible interprets Bible. Scripture explains Scripture. I will, I will promote this. I pray God till the day I die. Read the entire Bible cover to cover. Once you do this, your life will change. If you have not done it yet, if you have, you know already that it will change your life to have read the entire story. I love to describe it as a tapestry. 
You know those beautiful tapestries that hang on the wall and have all those lovely colors running through them? But what you don't see right away is that all those colors are represented throughout. One goes behind another and then it, it uh, comes out again and you see this beautiful picture. And this is the way scripture works. When you read through it, you get the threads. You see how one portion applies to another. One portion explains another. This is hermeneutics. This is having enough knowledge of the word to be able to tell what is meant by some of these difficult passages. Again, it's a battle. We can win. It's a war, actually. It's a continuous battle. It's a battleground that we can win one battle at a time. Erasing false and confusing conceptions of what it means with the actual truth that we discover through the understanding of the word itself, cover to cover. Discernment. So this is beautiful stuff, right? I mean, come on. You're building a foundation. you got a pursuit and your goal is to understand. So you start with context and you look at passages and you try to figure out what that passage means. And then you compare it to other passages as you mature, as you know better what is said from start to finish. And you start to see how they relate. And it gives you a deepening of understanding, the opportunity to expand your knowledge and gain wisdom. But it's not possible without discernment. We talked about salvation, sanctification, and repentance. At that point of salvation, when we receive Jesus, what else do we receive? Well, at this point in time, we receive the Holy Spirit. If we receive the Holy Spirit, we have Jesus' presence not only with us, but in us able to work through us. That's a beautiful part of it, but it's, it's more about guidance. The Holy Spirit is called counselor. He's an advocate, but he's also a counselor. You can go to Jesus by praying for explanation, and he will deliver whatever we ask for in and with his will. If it's within his will, we can be absolutely certain that there's no doubt whatsoever he will provide the answers. We may not like them sometimes, but he will provide the answers that we seek. <clears throat> so I say, seek the answers. Uh, cry out and ask. So discernment, which is from the Spirit, helps us to determine what is true and what is confusing and get down to the basics of what the word actually means. So, I turn to Colossians 1.9, a single verse. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Now, I love to share this, this fact this morning, as I was doing final preparation, and I opened Bible Gateway, my favorite app. Boom! This verse was dropped on my lap. As, as, as Brad likes to say, it was airlifted in. <laughs> he just dropped this one on me. It's like, okay, you need to use this, because this is saying what you're trying to say. I didn't find it. He gave it to me. But this, let's just listen one more time. 
Colossians 1.9 For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We have continually asked God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Discernment. He can do it. We can't. But guess what? You know the phrase or the scripture that says, don't worry about what you will say. The Spirit will give you words. We know this is true. But there's a requirement. You have to have the Spirit for the Spirit to work in you that way. But also, yeah, I'll drop the words in for you. But if you're familiar with them, it's going to help. Okay, if we experience what the word means, if we, if we study it, if we pour our hearts into it and let it come into our hearts, as we gain understanding, knowledge, producing wisdom, we will be better prepared to use what God gives us. And what's our goal? The ultimate goal? Beyond our own salvation? Beyond our own maturing? Is to share that with others. The better prepared we are, the better we will be able to stand up for the truth, deliver the truth, and have others learn the truth. It's the gospel. It's the words of Jesus. He told us. If we're listening, you know, reading the Bible is how one way that God talks to us. He speaks to us through the word. Just as I'm reading these words and I'm getting meaning out of them and you hear these words and hopefully gaining wisdom and knowledge and, and uh, an advantage in figuring out what some of this stuff means. I mean, we put time into it, we put effort into it, we gain, we mature, and we become better prepared. I, you know, I love uh, Peter's statement. It's the basis of apologetics, and that's another topic, but always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope that you have. Always be prepared. That was a Boy Scout motto too, I think. So, how do we prepare? Well, what are we talking about? We're talking about pouring ourselves into the Word, petitioning the Holy Spirit, and you know, knowing what Christ did for us, what he continues to do for us, but what he did for us, honoring, glorifying, praising, and giving thanks for that also builds our knowledge and understanding through the richness of the knowledge of the gospel, that truth. As complicated as this may be, and it is, and it's worth pursuing, regardless of what that smart guy said, it's worth pursuing for reasons beyond mere intellectual pursuit. Yeah, you want to stay on milk? Do you want to not reach the heights that God has prepared for you to reach? You got to talk about giftedness. Okay, I talked about discernment, and I always like to say when I talk about gifts, the gifts of God, not like the fruit. Again, the fruit is the fruit. You know, if you say, I don't have patience, it's because you're not taking advantage of it because he gives it to you. But giftedness is different. Hosting, healing, teaching, preaching. These are gifts. 
that we receive in measure. And one of them is discernment. Now, discernment has different meanings. Discernment is, you know, in a, in a very plain sense, being able to tell one thing from another. That's a table, that's a chair. I can discern that. This is an evil spirit. That's a healthy spirit. That's a different level of discernment. Not everybody gets it. Some people, by virtue of their giftedness, do not perceive the spiritual world as much as others. But we can tell you about it. You can hear, gain knowledge, gain understanding, producing wisdom about the spiritual realm. And I hope to get eventually to armor of God and what all that means. But right now, we're talking about building in this wisdom that comes from the word and the spirit and our pursuit of that goal for the purpose of being able to explain to others even better the glory and richness of what Christ has done and does for us. So, I want to add to this seeing the forest for the trees. There's a story of Martha and Mary. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, and this is from Luke 10, 38 to 42, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. <laughs> yeah, let me just go tell Jesus what needs to happen. <laughs> Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and will not be taken away from her. So much, so rich, so, so beautiful, so telling, so informing. So much knowledge to be gained, so much wisdom to be derived from this little brief story about Jesus visiting a home where the two girls, the two sisters, reacted differently to him. You can look all the way back to Cain and Abel and the sacrifices and what, end, what happened there. You know, there was murder involved, but Jesus teaches us when you curse someone, it's the same as murder in sin. God, through Jesus, is able to forgive all our sins. But we need to recognize them and work away from them. That's the whole third leg of the stool, repentance. It's an acknowledgement of what needs to happen in our lives. Many like to preach about salvation and joy, and I have all the support in the world for that, and I want to do it myself. But without that third leg of repentance, without understanding that it's new life in him, that produces fruit, which is the proof that we are part of his body. Without that, we're an outsider just talking about it. So we get this giftedness in different measures. 
So the gift of discernment. I don't want to lay claim to it, but it has worked for me, and this is how I mean it. I think this is important to understand. With any gift to this from God that you receive in some measure, it's not yours. You don't own it. It's a gift, but it's his. I'm never going to want to say, well, if I was in that situation, I'd just use my discernment and I'd figure out what kind of spirit that is and I would have stopped that problem right away. Oh yeah? <laughs> you can predict that? You can claim that? No. All giftedness comes to a point where his purpose, his will, in his time. If he produces that gift in you, at that time, for that purpose, according to his will, we can accomplish practically anything that he has prepared for us to do. We give him the honor and glory. It wasn't ours. But we get to enjoy it. So it comes back to the meaning of everything I'm talking about. Why? You know, I said if you teach somebody how, they do it for a day. I believe as a teacher you want to teach why. If I explain to you why you do it this way, now you understand. You gain understanding. Okay, the knowledge is good. If I hit this nail like this, it's going to go down into that piece of wood. But if I understand that the purpose is to fasten, and I can visualize how this is working, that the reason why we did it was to make a secure connection. It's beyond just pounding a hammer on a nail. Maybe not the best explanation, but you get the idea. If we understand the purpose, if we understand the goal, why we are doing it, it extends beyond the how. Because you know why? Well, because I told you why. But anyway, because, okay, you can apply that. When you gain knowledge leading to understanding producing wisdom, you can now apply that in new situations. Maybe you can come into a situation you have never faced before. But if you've been trying, and if you've been listening, and if you've been learning, and if you've been maturing in Christ, when you face that obstacle, you'll have a starting point. You will be prepared with something beyond what the world or, a, you know, Public education is going to provide. So, we look at Ecclesiastes. And I hope to bring more of this out because, you know, I think it's a critical book. It's in there for a reason. And there are things to be gained from it. And you could read the whole thing and wonder, what did I just read? Okay? But, I said that Scripture describes Scripture and that explains Scripture. And later in the book, he says, Not only was the teacher wise, but he also imparted knowledge to the people. He pondered and searched out and set in order many proverbs. The teacher searched to find just the right words, and what he wrote was upright and true. The words of the wise are like goads. I think that needs explanation. Anybody think they know what goads are? Kind of like spikes. Right? Like, like, like the 
claws of a bear even. They're spikes. And they say, you're kicking at the goads. And like I like to say when I think about crossing the street, I use that law of physics which says, bumper harm hip more than hip harm bumper. So when you're kicking at those goads, you're stabbing your own feet. The teacher searched to find just the right words, and what he wrote was upright and true. The words of the wise are like goads. They're collected sayings like firmly embedded nails given by one shepherd. There's that theme running through. Be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them. Of making many books there is no end, and much study wearies the body. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. So you say, why? Why do I do this? Well, if it says that what has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new? It was here already, long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations, even those yet to come, will not be remembered by those who follow them. That's another whole story comes out of this, which I will just try to give an overview real quick. Former civilizations... And, you know, historians and archaeologists and etc. look back and they say, must have been aliens. Must have been aliens. It was some higher intellect landed and, and gave them all that. They couldn't have done it. Right? Isn't that what they say? But the reality is what he's telling us, civilizations that existed before us were advanced. They figured out stuff. They applied themselves to knowledge leading to understanding which produced wisdom. I could go on and on about that and perhaps someday I will. But the idea is what has been done will be done again. What, has, what we are doing has been done before. So why? All right. Rebuilding the world one life at a time. The opportunity to build again now. In our lives, to rebuild in our time and place. Our personal journey. What matters most? What did he say? What is the most important thing? We know. We know from scripture. We've talked about it long enough. We know without even thinking about it. Jesus and his gift. What he did for us is the most important thing. And everything else that we pursue in knowledge and wisdom and understanding from the word, from the spirit, builds into that. So that we can be prepared to give that answer. Dr. Jordan Peterson, one of my faves. If you want to improve the world, improve yourself. You know... There's a big push to get out there and do. Yeah, but what are you doing? Well, I, I've been reading. 
<laughs> yeah, but what did you do? Well, I've been studying. Yeah, but what did you do? Well, after all that reading and study, somebody had a question and I was able to answer it. And it was about the most important thing. Every deed will be brought into judgment. It would be nice if a few of those were when he says, you did your goal. You accomplished that task. You walked in the work I had prepared for you to walk in. You delivered that message to that person on that day. Come in, good and faithful servant, and enjoy my peace. So, in conclusion, the process. And this is something I like to talk about what I'm experiencing. I, I want to share with you what I see and what I learn because that's what I'm talking about right now is sharing that knowledge that leads to understanding that produces wisdom. So in that battle for the mind, you know, renewing your mind, in the battle of eliminating the unnecessary and adding the beneficial, there's taking possession of your mind. I talked about that battleground being when you excise something, something has to take its place. It's kind of the definition of repentance. When the Lord leads you away from something, he's giving you something to put in its place. So take possession of your mind. It's not an unhealthy practice. It is a very healthy practice to sit and recognize the presence of God. Open your mind to his presence. It can be scary if you've got a lot of dirt and cobwebs. <laughs> okay? He's going to shine light. Oh, he's going to shine some light in there and you're going to say, oops, I didn't want you to see that. <laughs> but you got it. You got to do it. You got to open your mind to him. Allow him to work in you. Allow him to shine that light. I'll come back to that in a moment. Taking possession of your time. We talked about no greater love has a man than this that he would give of his life for his friends. And I say of his life. When a father gives up a night out with his buddies to throw the ball back and forth and play catch with his son. When a mom gives up her afternoon TV to read a book to her child. Any time that we give of our time to a friend, which is like our neighbor, which is whoever needs it, we are giving of our life, which is giving our life in service to God. So take possession of your time. Enjoy yourself. Hey, I like TV shows. I like to read. I like to relax. I mean, God wants us to enjoy our lives. He doesn't just want us to go around beating our chest all the time. He doesn't. He loves us. He's provided all these beautiful days for us to enjoy. Why would we turn away from that? What is life more abundant? It's taking full advantage and pursuing the full use of our time and abilities. It's a better form of meditation to allow God into your heart, into your mind, and see what he can show you. Final scripture. So we looked at Ecclesiastes 1, ending with 
For with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief, which sounded like, you know, kind of depressing. <laughs> really? That's what I want to do? I'm going to pursue all that? Well, you got to look through the whole book. And here it is in chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Then I turned my thoughts to consider wisdom and also madness and folly. What more can the king's successor do than what has already been done? I saw that wisdom is better than folly, just as light is better than darkness. Undoing everything about the meaninglessness. Undoing everything about the, the grief and the sorrow. Because it's better to know. It is better to experience. What more is there? Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. And you will receive the desires of your heart. Amen. Hallelujah. Father God, it's a process. You have laid before us what a difficult thing you have done to put eternity in our hearts without the ability to comprehend it. But yet, Lord, you teach us and you guide us and you direct us and you have shown us as complicated as it is, it is still so simple that a child can understand God loves me and he has a life for me. And that when I accept him, I lead myself with the Spirit to my best life. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have done for us. Thank you, Lord, for the word which teaches us. I pray your blessing upon all our people that we would take these words to heart and look forward to the service we can provide. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>